But let's see if we can cover a little bit of ground this morning in continuing our study of the rules for financial success that God Himself has given to us in the Bible. We've covered six so far. Rule number one, obey God. Rule number two, pay God first. Rule number three, pay yourself second. Save some. Rule number four, minimize expenses. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. Rule number five, work hard. Go to the ant. Thou sluggard. Rule number six. Work smart. You want to work with a sharpened axe, not with a dull one. You can get a tree down both ways, but one's going to come down a lot faster if you'll sharpen the axe head, as Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 10.10. Rule number seven. Turn to Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28. Rule number seven is to work Patiently. Work patiently. Solomon, as we're going to see, and Paul, has a lot to say about getting impatient and putting the first six rules into practice. Some of you may have the tendency to walk out of here and go to work on Monday morning thinking, well, I'm going to put these first six rules into practice, and by the end of the week, I wonder if I'll have a promotion. Well, it's probably not going to happen. Don't you be discouraged. The Word of God's still true. You just need to have some patience. And we'll, I want you to see that rule is an important one. Work patiently. If you can get patience, patience is going to save you from a lot of financial shysters. If you can learn that it's time that makes money and work that makes money, not cute ideas. Proverbs chapter 28, beginning at verse 19. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread. Does the bread come immediately after tilling? It takes time, doesn't it? It can get hailed out and you've got to start over again, doesn't it? But it says, He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread. But he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. You follow financial shysters that want to show you some easy method to riches, I guarantee you, on the authority of the Word of God, You'll have poverty enough, enough to justify God's law that you broke it. Verse 20, let's keep reading here. A faithful man, not a hasty man, not an impatient man, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. But he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. To have respect of persons is not good, for for a piece of bread that man will transgress. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye, and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. We live in a generation that is basically an impatient generation. Everyone is shortening the time period in which they should be successful. I mean, when? What other generation has ever talked about being millionaires by the time you're 30 years old? And how many haven't heard that expression before? I'm going to make my million before I'm 30. We watch television, and in 60 minutes or 120 minutes in a two-hour movie, we see someone go from rags to riches over and over and over again, don't we? And we just keep shortening down the time frame. We'll allow any of God's principles to work. So we throw them out, and people go running after the world with all their ideas to make a million before you're 30, 
to make a million before you're 40. And the other titles for books that you can go pick up at your local B. Dalton bookstore. God says in verse 20 of this chapter, He that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. If you try to get rich hastily and not in accordance with the other rules and this rule that I'm giving you of working patiently, you will be susceptible to all the little ideas that come along to take you away from the other rules. Whether it's being dishonest, whether it's not saving, whether it's using debt, you can't read a book on real estate without them telling you to lever yourselves hundreds of times your net worth. Criminal. You say, but it works. Why does it work once in a while? You say it works, you can list probably less than five people on your hand that have made in the millions from leveraged real estate that are millionaires today. Listen, our bank financed Craig Hall. Craig Hall made Lowry look like a pauper. Craig Hall owns apartment complexes across the entire country. Our bank was Craig Hall's bank because Craig Hall began mowing lawns in Ann Arbor, Michigan as a University of Michigan student. After three semesters, he quit, mowed some more lawns, bought his first rental house, and went from there, and because he was local, we financed him. Craig Hall is in severe financial difficulty having to sell assets and liquidate to meet his obligations. Why? Because real estate doesn't go up forever. Listen, there's a song sung by the world that what goes up must come down. And while I wouldn't agree with everything else the song says or the group that sung it, there's a lot of truth in that statement. Oh, you can lever yourself already. But see, what makes you susceptible to leverage? To read about a success story in leverage. Yes, you can buy yourself a commodity contract in U.S. Treasury bonds and put down 1% of what the contract is worth. I used to do it for a living. But remember, my bank had the capital to buy all those Treasury bonds if I ever had to. 1% down. That means that if that particular commodity goes up 1%, what happens to your money? You double. Wow. What if it just goes up 5%? You make 500%. Fantastic, isn't it? Let's all go home and start using the futures markets. What happens if it goes down 3%? They want your kids. (laughs) They will. They'll come and get everything you own. Leverage is a two-edged sword. What makes a man susceptible to that? Haste to be rich. Vain ideas. Always looking for an easy way. I'm going to throw some bucks at the futures market. Listen, there's a rule in futures trading that 93% of all investors who enter the market will leave having lost everything that they put in. 93% in futures trading. Why? Because they don't know how to play the market and they're greedy. Greed will kill you faster than anything. How many of you know what a bull is to be bullish on an investment, you're expecting it to go up. Remember, Merrill Lynch was always bullish on America. A bear is one who thinks that a market's going to go down or a commodity is going to go down. We had a saying that, well, you can make money in a market either as a bull or a bear. 
you'll end up eating slop as a pig. In any financial market, you can make money buying it so that it goes up and you sell it and make money. You can sell it first, have it go down and buy it back. That's called selling short. You can do it both ways in a financial market and make money either way the market's going. Bulls and bears both make money, but pigs end up eating slop. What's a pig? Greedy of hasty gain. Greed will kill you faster in a market than anything else. Solomon warned us about this, and I don't even know if he ever took Finance 101. <laughs> but Solomon warned us not to be hasty to get rich. And if you're hasty, you'll not be innocent. You will be suspect or susceptible to some of these ideas that, listen, they're a dime a dozen. Look at Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. Verse 23, in all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. You will meet salesmen in your time that are going to tell you how you can be rich. Oh, will they talk a good story? They might want to sell you an investment. They might want to sell you a business. They might want to sell you a part-time business, some multi-level program. You listen with a very jaundiced ear. You listen very carefully and throw in a whole bag of salt. The talks of the lips tend to penury. You want to end up with just a few pennies to your name? Then listen to people who talk about making it and who don't promote labor. Sweat and that four-letter word, work. In all labor, there is profit. That's what God said, not what I said. In all labor, there is profit. And the labor that was mentioned, as I've mentioned, as I've emphasized before, is tilling the ground, the most boring form of labor. But there's profit in it, and a person that does it diligently shall have plenty of bread. But he that follows vain persons, he that's hasty to be, hasty to be rich, pennies are what the Lord will give him. Look at chapter 13, Proverbs 13 and verse 11. <coughs> Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Listen, my grandfather, who labored 14 hours a day on the railroad in Pennsylvania, laying track, can you imagine what a job, what a beautiful job, carrying railroad ties and laying them in gravel and nailing railroad track to them. Exciting job, isn't it? He had more to show at the end of his life then 99% of those who lever themselves and obtain wealth by vanity. See, all you hear about on the, the shelves of B. Dalton Bookstore are the couple that made it by the judgment of God. You don't see the thousands and thousands and thousands of real estate investors who leveraged and who are now in debt, have filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy papers, or are in some other way in hock up to their ears. So you don't see all that. Trust me, it's out there. Listen, there are bank failures in this country even this year in proof that it's out there. Call the chairman of Bank of America, the second largest bank in our country, and ask him why he just resigned. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. There's no easy way to riches. You say, but I know people who had this idea and it worked. 
Remember what I've taught you. God will let it work once in a while to give prosperity to a false idea to see if you're a sucker to go for it. Or are you going to have faith in God's Word? See, He's testing your faith. Do you believe what the book says even though it counters what Lowry wants to teach you about leveraging? What Craig Hall would teach you about leveraging? Or are you, are you going to believe the Bible? Are you going to believe them? He'll give them prosperity to see where you stand. Don't be hasty to be rich. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. I've told you about... I know some millionaires who... They were millionaires on the asset side with leverage. Now they're, they're millionaires still. But it's on the wrong side of the balance sheet. They owe millions and have nothing to pay. I guess they're millionaires in a sense, aren't they? Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. But he that gathereth by labor shall increase. You say, but that sounds like the hard way. That's because of the, uh, the whole emphasis of our culture is the easy way out. The easy way out at every turn. Labor is what God requires. And you acquire things by labor, you'll keep it. Easy come, easy go. Ever heard that? A lot of truth to it. It agrees with what Solomon is teaching right here. Look at Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 27. Proverbs 15:27. You get greedy and hasty in acquiring gain, it's going to bring trouble to your home. Proverbs 15:27. He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. See, there's that free lunch. It's called a gift here. If you hate free lunches, and it's one thing I try to teach my children, I love my, when my children come to me after having read the back of a Cheerios package where they see the words free, F-R-E-E, and the poor things can't read down there in the fine print, four box tops and $1.95 for handling. I mean, there's nothing free. And this whole rule that I'm giving you, work patiently, if you want to summarize another way, is there is no such thing as the free lunch. That rule has saved me more grief than any other rule. I'm not saying it got it, it gets you ahead faster. It saves you from grief. If you believe there's no free lunch, things that sound too good to be true are generally just that. Too good to be true. When you hear something too good to be true, you make sure you sit down and think about that thing. You know what? It's too good to be true. It's a lie. You've missed something. Sit down and figure it out. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Work patiently. Time. Labor. Work. It's what brings increase. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 8. Proverbs 27 and verse 8. Oh, there's so much I could say on that rule of getting that down in your minds. There's no free lunch. There's no free lunch. That's what God is saying. Wealth gotten by vanity or wealth gotten by a gift, it's going to go. But wealth gotten by labor will stay. That's not a free lunch. That's a lunch you worked for. But see, there's different ways to earn a lunch. You can earn a lunch with a sledgehammer in a tree. And you can earn a lunch with an axe in a tree. Don't get me wrong. You know, this doesn't nullify rule six. Work smart. You can work smart and get a lunch cheaper by using the sharpened axe blade, but there's no free lunch. And if some, no one's going to walk to your door and give you an idea that is better 
than what you already knew or what you could figure out with 15 minutes at a library. No one. No one's out offering a free lunch. So whenever anyone comes to you and says, you know, you know that your savings in the bank are earning 7%, that right now money, money market rates are about 7%, and someone comes to you and says, I'm going to show you how you can earn 15% on your money. Guaranteed. Yeah. I could sell you a 40-year bond that would guarantee you 15% interest, but you'll have to sit there and hold that bond until the day it's retired. And in the meantime, you could lose 50%, 70%, or all of your investment when that company goes under. No such thing as a free lunch. Be critical. Be patient. It's the impatient person that hears the new idea. Wow, I can get rich quick. This will save some time. This will save some work. Be careful of that. Now remember, there are ways to save work. But even saving work requires work. Saving work requires work, just a different kind of work. Filing that axe head was not quite as strenuous as cutting the tree down, but it was a different kind of work. You were working mentally. Aha, if I sharpen my axe, even though I'm going to lose some time to my competitor over here who's cutting his tree down with a sledgehammer, I'm going to lose time for a minute. So you're working mentally. You're considering... The difference in time, cost, to get a job done. But it's all work. Nowhere can you get away from work. God has ordained it that way. We were the ones that sinned, and we shall work for everything we enjoy. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 8. As a bird that wandereth from her nest. Now, what kind of a mother bird would that be? So is a man that wandereth from his place. If your place is behind the plow, if your place is at the machine, if your place is bent over the open hood of a car, don't you wander from that place. Stay there and work at it. The minute you wander from it, you're going to do your family as much good as a bird that wanders from her nest. If you're chasing all these ideas for money to get money quickly, you're going to diminish the wealth of your family and lose and trouble your family. And if you've seen people who are always rushing after some easier way to make money, that's just what they've done is they've harmed their family by not hanging in there and working diligently at some specific area that they could labor in. Look at Ecclesiastes 6.9. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 9. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. When you're working there at the job, look at your machine and love your machine. If you're working over a machine, love it. Appreciate what it's doing for you. That you are producing. That you are accomplishing some things. Don't let that mind wander. Oh, if only I could have that job. Or if only I could have this job. It's going to do two things. One, you're not going to labor as much, so you're going to, your efforts will be vain. You're not going to get ahead. Second of all, it's going to vex your spirit. It's going to vex your spirit having to stay there at that machine. Learn to love that machine. Learn to love your job as the end, as the means God gave you to getting your job done. 
Don't let that mind wander. Don't be thinking about a better job all the time. While you're there on the job, keep your eyes on it. Don't let your mind wander. It will ruin your financial prosperity and it will give you frustration. If you love your job, you're going, you're going to get ahead. God's Word says that you will and you'll have some peace. I mean, it's peaceful. You can learn to love anything. Brother William, did you enjoy sweeping when you were sweeping? In a certain way. I mean, as far as getting a job done and doing it hard, you can even get into sweeping. You can get into anything by thinking about, listen, right now, this is what I've got to make a buck, and I'm going to do it better than anyone else. You can get excited about that. But the minute you lean on the old broom handle and start wondering, oh, if I was up there and I was supervisor, boy, would that be nice. What's going to happen? You're going to go home all frustrated and burned out. and You're not going to get any sweeping done. Come over to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. Our government has made a definite decision that they want every couple, every family, to own their own home in America. Now, that's not a bad thing to own your own home. But what they've done in the last generation or two is give young people and young couples the idea that the first thing they ought to do is go bury themselves in a mortgage debt and get a home. It's just something that couples, you know, after the honeymoon, the first thing to do is look for a house and bury yourself in debt. And our government has done its best to make that happen. Your property taxes are deductible. Your mortgage payment is deductible from your calculations of taxable income. Some of your expenses for moving into that house, fixing it up, advertising when you sell it, are deductible. Our government's made a policy decision to help you do that. There's nothing wrong with owning a house, and when I get to the law on debt, there's nothing wrong with borrowing money to own a house. But don't be hasty to own a house. Do you think there's a verse for that? I wouldn't teach it if I didn't have a verse. Look at Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 27. Proverbs 24, 27. Prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field and afterwards build thine house. What comes first in a person's life? The house or getting your career well established? Can you understand language at all? Getting your career understand well established. Prepare your work without. Without what? Without what? Without a house. Out in the field. Solomon's usually referring to what was the number one occupation in Israel. That was agriculture. You get out there without a house. You may be living with your parents for a while. You may be living in rented facilities for a while. But get out there and get your career established first so that you know what your income stream is. You've got some goats in that field, some sheep in another field. You've got some corn growing. Afterwards, build your house. What do so many do today? They don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what kind of a job I should have. Right now, I'm just doing this. I don't know where I'm going. But I'm going to buy this house. And they go buy a house. They bury themselves in debt. They live from check to check, and they never get ahead. 
If an opportunity came along for a better job and that employer did not pay for one month, you know, they had to live off savings for a month before the first check came in. They couldn't take advantage of it. Listen, they're house poor. How many young couples in America are house poor in their 20s? You don't need to own a house right off the bat. Get your career well established and afterwards build your house. And Solomon said that, not your pastor. It just makes good common sense to anyone with any intelligence. But you get your income determined first. I mean, what did the Lord Jesus himself say? In Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30, who sits down and builds himself a tower without first counting up the cost? Lest happily, after he's begun to build it, he's made fun of and shamed by his neighbors because he can't finish it. How many young couples have moved into houses that were too much for them and then have to have a distressed sale. I have. I have. I got burned badly. I lost in the five figures. That's over 10,000 for those of you who haven't heard that expression. On my first house. Now that's exciting, isn't it? But I mean, what, what 21-year-old had a colonial in Livonia, Michigan? Fantastic, wasn't it? I was so poor. Listen, I'm gonna, I'll tell you stories all day long. I've been lower than some of you have dreamed of being. I was so house poor. And I was working at the bank. And I wore three-piece suits to work. But I couldn't afford to buy a solenoid for my car. And I would start it with a pair of channel locks bypassing the solenoid. Now, have you ever seen a man come out of a bank, <laughs> walk over, God being my witness, walk over to his car, pop the hood, look, look around, pull a pair of channel locks out, bypass the solenoid, sparks fly everywhere. The car starts, he slams the hood down, pops in and drives off. You say, you didn't do that. I, w I wish I could say I was just kidding. I was house poor. Oh, but I had a fine house, didn't I? Yes, it cost me 10000 plus to get out of that burden. Thank God I did. When I, when I try to teach you some things and I confirm it by experience, I've been there. When Solomon said, prepare your work first and get your career going and get some income going that would justify a house and then build it, you know what? He was right. He was right. Multi-level marketing programs are one of the most popular ways to violate Rule 7. Work patiently rules out for 99% of the population, 99% of the multi-level marketing schemes. And let me give you a couple reasons why that is true. Do you know what I mean by multi-level marketing? Amway distributorships, Shackley distributorships, Neolife, A.L. Williams Insurance, and on and on you could go. Some of you have been involved with some of those. Some of you may still be involved with some of those. I'm not picking on any one individual when I say this. It is one area that today in America you've got to look out for because they are based on the principle of using haste to make riches. 
The concept of marketing a product through multi-level marketing is fantastic. I won't deny that in a minute. To market a product through a grass-level effort of a pyramid-type structure where you get distributors under you and they get more distributors is a fantastic way to market a product. The problem is the way most of how most of these multi-level marketing programs work. They are not selling a product worth buying. You can go, for instance, you say, prove your point. How about Amway? Listen, if you can't go to Kmart or some other store like Kmart, some discount store, some hardware or lumberyard, and buy cleaning materials just as good as Amway, you don't know how to shop. And if you can't do it for half the price or a quarter of the price, you don't know how to shop. Listen, the only way a company like Amway can keep all those suckers working for it is to charge twice as much as what a discounter charges. You, there's no free lunch. There's no free lunch. They have to charge more. Listen, uh, Neolife, Shackley, they sell vitamins and other nutritional aids. Why don't you go to the mall and buy at GNC? You'll pay about 30 cents on the dollar for what they'll sell you, and the quality will be as good if you buy the right brand. Why don't you go to some of their meetings? Some of you have been to their meetings. When you go to the meeting of a multi-level program, whether it's A.L. Williams, Amway, Shackley, Neolife, Herbalife, or whatever, what is emphasized? The product or the pyramid? The pyramid every time. More time will be spent on the pyramid and what you can do by building yourself up and building layers and levels below you than on the product. The first time I went to an A.L. Williams presentation, I mean, we sat there for two hours and looked at slides of sliding up this pyramid to where you were making $100,000 a month and flying all over the world and not one word on the product. And I said, well, why don't you give me the price of uh, life insurance for, say, me, so that I can see how competitive it is. He looked around and said, well, I don't have any of that information with me. Listen, to make money, you've got to have a product to sell to do it God's way. He didn't care about the product. Those programs don't care about the product. They care about you getting one more sucker who will buy in and become a distributor and that's how they sell their product. Most of them do not have products that will sell. Now, A.L. Williams has reduced prices somewhat on their life insurance. When I first heard about A.L. Williams, the policy I already had was 2.2 times cheaper than A.L. Williams, who is claiming to undercut everyone in the market. Just remember, when you've got that great big pyramid, and level 1's taken off 60%, and level 2's taken off 30%, and level 3's taken off 5 more percent, where do you think the lunch is coming from? It's from the suckers down the line who are buying the product. What kind of people do these multi-level programs get? They couldn't make it. Listen, to sell, you've got to be a salesman. Not everyone's cut out to be a salesman. You can't teach people to be great salesmen. Some of that is God-given. A lot of that is God-given. Those people that make it big in those programs are the ones that got in first and are the ones that had natural sales experience and or who already had a distribution network set up with some other multi-level program. You say, well, I know of one person Yes, out of the 250,000 who've sold Amway, who made it without any one of those points. I'd like you to prove it to me. 
and then I'll show you a person that works 80 hours a week to do it. There's no free lunch. No free lunch. Listen, do you know what a free market economy is? We still have a free market economy in the U.S. to a great degree. A free market economy guarantees you one thing. A multi-level program cannot offer you an easier way to riches than any other way. Do you know why? Because a free market economy guarantees that if something is easier, the free market will exploit it until it is not easier. You can go down and join a textile mill and make as much as the average person working for A.L. Williams easy. And I'll tell you what, you'll make it easier. You will make more money working for some master somewhere and being faithful than you'll make for one of those multi-level programs because the multi-level program is over-exploited because it offers greater riches and people with greed over-exploit it. Does everybody understand what I'm saying when I say that? If you could make a buck easier in a multi-level program, then people would quit their jobs in such numbers to join that program that they would sell so much of that product, they would saturate the market to where no one would make a buck easier in that program. That's what a free market economy does. The reason I'm emphasizing multi-level programs, it is something that all of us have been approached with to sell some of these products and they can lay... I mean, they can tell you about people driving three Cadillacs and they had one painted lavender just for them and tell you all, I left out Avon. Now, get you heard me. A multi-level program isn't necessarily wrong. You just be careful on how you listen to it and how you pursue it. Anybody that makes money at those programs works. It all comes back to labor. Don't think that they're offering you a free lunch or an easier lunch. It can't be done. Another way not to be hasty in acquiring wealth is to not set your goals too high. If you're impatient, what will you do? You're, you'll hear these sermons. You'll go home, wife. Let's sit down and lay out our plans. I want to live on 50% of my income. Did you hear the pastor refer to having tried that? You, <coughs> that'll kill you. I'll be seeing you in the parking lot with channel locks. Listen, I don't want to see you out there with channel locks. Don't set your goals too high. What does the Lord say? Labor, work, and time. Not the wandering of the desire. Staying at your nest as a bird. Staying at your machine. Using your eyes. Don't go out there and do what I did. I mean, if you won't listen to Solomon, listen to someone who's been there and been very ashamed but couldn't get his way out of it for a while. Be patient. Work patiently is the point I'm trying to make. Don't set your goals too high. Work into things and let time be on your side. Last of all this morning, use patience in making discretionary purchases. Now, there are some people in this congregation who have got downright frustrated with me in making decisions about discretionary purchases. Why, there's a couple brothers who were with me at a bookstore where I found the number one set of books that I wanted to buy, and that's a Catholic encyclopedia. Well, I've wanted an old Catholic encyclopedia for so long because it's got so much good material where our enemies admit the truth of so much that we claim about them. And I wanted that. Well, it was $175. And it was in terrible shape. And I hemmed and I hawed 
And I hung around and I looked at it. And I'd pull it off and look at some of the articles and put it back on the shelf. And they said, would you hurry up and make up your mind? And I know they were frustrated with me, but it was a discretionary purchase. It wasn't a necessary purchase. I didn't have to have the Catholic Encyclopedia. I walked away from it. It hurt. I wanted it. I waited. I got on the mailing list for some used book houses across the country. And just last month, there it came, the Catholic Encyclopedia, never used, $45. So I have a 15-volume set from 1919, never used, in perfect shape, for $45. How did that happen? By being very patient. Patient so much that it frustrates me. Listen, it's not only other people that it frustrates. It frustrates me. Listen, sometimes I just can't make a decision on discretionary things. Now, when it comes to buying something like a house, approach it scientifically and go buy it. You need a, you need a place to live. But discretionary things, like the kind of house you live in, or the kind of car you buy, or books, or guns, or boats, or what swimming pools, or whatever else you need, use some patience and shop around. It all fits in with the seventh rule of working patiently so that you don't let greed or haste force you into a bad decision. And the Lord will bless that. That's using your head, spending, sitting back, looking at things, finding the best way to buy something that's discretionary. You know, there are many things like food that you need. You can't spend all day wondering about what you're going to buy in the grocery store. You just got to buy it and put it in the cart. Those are smaller expenses and they're necessary. But discretionary ones use some patience. That's the only rule we have time to cover this morning. Let's go through the seven now that we've learned. Number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. Number six. Number seven, work patiently. May the Lord bless us with not only financial prosperity by practicing patience, but also some peace in the meantime by patiently working at what you've got and not vexing your spirit by wishing you had a job that you don't have and letting your desire wander. I hope the Lord will bless not only His Word, but the experience of life to those of you who are at those points of, do I buy a house now or later? What do I do with my career? How far along should I be before I buy? And some of the other things the Lord expects us to take our time on and be patient. To sit down and count the cost. Now, sitting down takes time. Hasty decisions without sitting down are foolishness. Because the Lord Himself said, how many of you would not first sit down? I mean, the Lord assumed it that a wise man will sit down and count the cost first, or you're going to be ashamed. Was it a shame when I had to move back out of that house into a small townhouse? You bet it was. Am I glad that I did it? Yes. Yes, indeed. If you'll work patiently, you'll be saved from a lot of grief that some will try to sell you all in the name of an easier way to riches when the Lord said it's tilling your land, it's by labor, it's by work, that wealth is increased, but it's by vain ideas, it's by haste that wealth is diminished. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.